how many of you have seen the Matrix films? You seen those? There's there's a there's a scene. I think it's in the first film where the hero Neo is offered either a red pill or a blue pill, and I can't remember which way round it is. But one of them, you'll just carry on seeing the world as you currently see it, just what's in front of you. But if you take the other one, you will see, if you like, this parallel beyond the natural world, this thing that was going on in the background, it, that you'll see the true reality of the world that you live in. And he made, otherwise the films would have ended at that point. He took the right pill, and then the whole films open up, and he sees this world as it really is. I think the parallel for us is quite important, because our world has this natural realm, which we see and we understand through the laws of physics and nature, and then I believe there is a supernatural world, a world beyond the natural that is often mysterious, um, often miraculous, and often unexplainable. And Jesus invites us to see and to live in the world as it truly is. To live an everyday supernatural world in a natural world. The red pill, blue pill moment. And now I know many of you here have already said yes to Jesus, but there's way more of that supernatural world for us to experience. And others here uh, may not have said yet to, yes to Jesus yet. You're incredibly welcome. And I hope that as we share some more about the life that Jesus calls us to, you would hear his invitation to you to see the world as it truly is. So as you've heard, this is a new series that we're kicking off today, which we're going to run through Lent, Everyday Supernatural. We're running across the whole of our church from the very youngest children through youth, through to you lovely people, through all of our small groups. Grab a copy of the book. It's an excellent book. Um, let me just mark your diary. We have um, arranged for some special evening services over the next uh, few weeks. On the 1st of March, which is next Sunday, uh, there's a prophetic night. Some of you will have met Billy and Niall from Northern Ireland. They're coming back over. It's going to be a fabulous evening. On the 22nd of March, a healing night. And on the 5th of April, a worship night. So put those in your diary. I think my, as I've been praying for us, I think this is an important series for us. And these are a couple of things that I've been praying for, and I'll pray for us in a moment. One, that our eyes would be more open to see the world as it is. We'd simply see more. And secondly, that we would be filled with a boldness to embrace everything that Jesus has for us. So as I've got the mic, I'm going to pray for us. But I love you. You might want to just put a hand on your own heart or just reach out to Jesus because I want to pray that he would do in us everything that he wants to do. So Jesus, thank you um, for what you have for us in this season of our church life together. And Lord, I want to pray that you would firstly open our eyes to see more of the world that you have placed us into. The natural and the supernatural. Lord, open our eyes to see. And Lord, I pray that you would fill us with great to embrace what you are reaching out to us with and to see your power and presence more released into our world. Lord, release boldness to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So the series we're going to be tracking through, it builds week by week. So very much this morning, I want to lay a foundation. And the foundation to living an everyday supernatural life is God's presence. That is the foundation for us. And so my talk this morning is entitled, The Power is in the Presence. The Power is in the Presence. If you have a Bible, 
could you turn to Exodus chapter 33? So that's right at the front of the, of the Bible, second book in. It's in the Old Testament. It's a story of the people of Israel. They've been in slavery in Egypt. God sends Moses to, to set them free. There's all of the plagues, you know, with Pharaoh, all of that kind of stuff. Um, Pharaoh eventually lets them free. They start this journey towards the promised land. There's the giving of the Ten Commandments. There are all of the instructions um, for their community life, for their worship. There's that golden calf incident. And then you come to this conversation that Moses has with the Lord. And effectively, Moses asks the Lord three questions. And that's the way we'll um, kind of approach this text this morning. Three questions. So I'm going to start in verse 12 of Exodus 33. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So, Effectively, what Moses is saying, he wants to do his job really well, but he doesn't want to do it alone. And so the heart of his question is, Lord, who's going to go with me? Who's going to go with me? Now, admittedly, Moses' day job was quite a big one. He had to lead a nation. But what, what, what do you do day by day? Maybe you're raising children. Maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're an accountant, a shop worker, maybe you're studying, maybe you volunteer, maybe you're retired. I have yet to meet someone who gets up in the morning and says, I want to do a really bad job today. I've, I've, I've yet to meet that person. If you are that person, come and talk to me, but I've yet to meet, I want to do, whatever I do today, I just want to do it really badly. I'm not like that person. We want to do well, don't we? especially if you're a follower of Jesus, because we understand that what we do is serving Jesus. We want to do that well. But we also know that we need help to live the life that Jesus calls us to. And that's what Moses knew. He knew that he needed help to do what he was being called to do. And so he asked the Lord, who's going to help me? Who's going to go with me? This is what the Lord says, verse 14. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So what the Lord says to Moses, and what he says to us, is that what we need more than anything else is his presence. More than anything else. More than doing a great job or living a life really well, what we need is his presence. Now, I could probably stop the talk at that point. That is the heart of it. I will carry on. You take nothing else if you take that. The heart of what we need is God's presence. Moses does carry on. Verse 15. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? In other words, Lord, are you ever going to send us on our own? Is there ever going to come a point where you're just going to say, go, and you're not going to come with us? I think that was at the heart of Moses' fear. Is there ever going to be a point where you're going to send us on our own? 
Because what Moses says is, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, please don't send us up from here. Please don't send us down. Now, why would Moses say that? Do you think he's just feeling a bit lonely? A bit insecure? I don't think so. What Moses knew was that what marks out God's people is God's presence. It's the only thing that will make you and I different. is the presence of God. You see, if you're a Christian, what makes you different at work, at home, going down the shop? You know, sometimes we can be tempted to think it's our banter, our good humor, good looks, nice clothes, even our hard work, great attitude. Those, those, are, those are good qualities if we have them. But ultimately, that's not what makes a Christian different. It's the presence of God. The difference is the presence of God. You see, it's not about what we do. It's about who we are with. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are with. What does the Lord say to Moses? Verse 17. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. In other words, the Lord says to Moses, it's okay. I'm not going to leave you because I love you and I know you. And he makes the same promise to you and me, that he will never leave us or forsake us. Now, what Moses does, he then pushes a little bit more. Verse 18, Moses said, now show me your glory. Well, frame that as a question. Lord, will you show me your glory? I want to see more, the fullness of who you are, everything, and then it will all be okay. I wonder if you, whether you've ever said or prayed something like that. Lord, if I could just experience a little bit more of your presence, then I will step into the things you're calling me to. Now, some of that prayer is not that great. The whole kind of bargaining thing. I just want to see a little bit more. But there is also something very precious in that kind of prayer. That part of the prayer says, Lord, I want more. I want to see you more. And this is what happens. Verse 19, the Lord said, I will cause, cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock. So somehow Mo uh, God was going to pick Moses up and put him in this little gap between some rocks and cover you with my hand so you can't see until I have passed by. I have no idea how that works. But the good news is then I will remove my hand and you will see my back but my face must not be seen. I, I just love the kindness of God in this. You know, it, effectively the Lord says to Moses, I could do what you're asking, but you would die. So I'm not going to do that. You, you've probably read The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis book. There's this scene where Susan is talking to Mr. and Mrs. Beaver about Aslan, the lion, Jesus. And she says this, Aslan is a lion, the, 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 the great lion. Who says Susan? I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. 
faith, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about faith? Of course he isn't faith. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. We need to remember when we're thinking about the presence of God, we're also thinking about the almighty power of God. And I'll come on to that in a moment. I, I love this little story. I think in, in Moses' life, really helpful insight. We are people of presence. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're supposed to be different. Not weird, but different. Supposed to be different because of God's presence in our lives. Now, earlier this morning, someone came in and switched the lights on. That's good news. They did that because what we needed was the presence of electrons to bring electrical power to the bulb. And when we flip the switch, the electrons become present in the bulb, and so does the power. Because the power is in the presence. It's not like you flick a switch and the electrons become present and then the power is somewhere else. But they are, they're, they're one and the same. The power is in the presence. So imagine the situation. You're praying for someone for healing. And you ask the Holy Spirit to come and touch their lives, and he does because that's what he does. And then you ask him to release a gift of healing or prophetic wisdom. And the Holy Spirit just turns to you and says, I'm terribly sorry. I've just turned up here, but I left all the power at home this morning. It, it, it just it just took my life. So I, 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 I'm really, really sorry. Crazy, isn't it? It's crazy because we know that when God is present, His power is present. Because His power is in His presence. Why is this important? It's important because a Christian is called by Jesus to do the stuff. That is vineyard shorthand for doing the things that Jesus did. Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, bringing life to things that are dead, living an everyday supernatural life. But to do those kind of things, what you and I need is the power of God. We need His power. But the power is in His presence. So what do we primarily need? So in the small group materials this week, we explore this some more. What does it mean by the power is in the presence? How can we experience more of that every day? But the question I felt the Lord want to ask us today is this. How much do you and I want His presence? How much do we want it? See, for example, in the morning before we go out to work, you know, whether your work is paid or unpaid, before we go about our everyday business, are we people that pray something like this? Lord, please don't send me out without your presence. Is it a Moses-like prayer? Please don't send me out without your presence. Now, please do not use that as an excuse when you phone your boss because you're running late. Now, I'm sorry, I'm just having a Moses moment. I'm just waiting for the Lord. How much do you and I want his presence? See, if we want to do the stuff of the kingdom to live an everyday supernatural life. The foundation 
is his presence. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. His presence. So I want to share three things briefly that characterize an everyday supernatural life. The first is that there will be a desperate cry for presence in our hearts. Characterizes it, but I also think that there are, there are things that the Lord is inviting us in this season. Is there a desperate cry in our hearts for his presence, a longing, a hunger for his presence? Not just in times of crisis, you know, when we kind of pray, God help me, that's okay. But a day-by-day desperation for his presence. Have you read the Psalms recently? They're full of desperate cries for his presence. On the next slide, I've just put up seven references from the Psalms. And... What I would encourage you to do, you know, you might want to take one of these each day over the next week and just pray it. So you can take a photo of that right now. I'm in shot as well. That may or may not be a good thing. But you can take a a shot of that. So Psalm 23, verse 4, Psalm 26, verse 8, Psalm 27, verse 4, Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul pants. To God, to the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Do you hear the desperation? Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12. Psalm 61, verses 1 to 4. And then Psalm 84, the first four verses, says this How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. I mean, I, I'm speaking as much myself as anyone else here. I mean, when was the last time we, we felt like we were fainting out of desperation? My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow has found a home, and a swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Would you do that this week? And let that fuel hunger and desperation in your heart. That's the first thing. Do a health check if you want. What what, what are the desperation levels like in your life for his presence? Just his presence. Not what he can do for you. Just his presence. Second thing. Second characteristic is seeking presence as a priority. So am I giving time each day regularly to seek God's presence, just for who he is? Praying like Moses, Lord, don't send me out into this day if you're not with me, because I need your presence. Again, in the small group materials this week, we unpack this further. But for now, let me say this. If we want to grow as followers of Jesus Christ, and grow healthily, we need to prioritize some time each day to see God's presence for ourselves. Your spouse can't do it for you. Your partner can't do it for you. Your best friend can't do it for you. Your small group leader, your pastor, even I cannot do it for you. We have to do it ourselves. We have to make it a life priority if we want to do well. And one of the questions that is sometimes asked is this, well, what time of day is best for this? And I don't think there is a strict answer. 
bus. I read this last week from a guy called Hudson Taylor, famous missionary, brought the gospel to a lot of mainland China. He said this, do not have your concert first and tune your instrument afterwards. Begin the day with God. Now, please don't make that a religious rule, but it does seem to me wise to seek God's presence before we do something rather than ask him to bless what we've just done. So whatever your day looks like in terms of shape and shift work and things like this, ask for his presence at the start. To make it a priority, now there are lots of ways that we can seek God's presence. Prayer, the Bible, nature, other Christians, serving the poor. Those are all ways where we can connect with God's presence. But one of the most precious ways is the third thing that I want to share this morning. Third characteristic of an everyday supernatural life is a love of worship. The love of worship. If you're a follower of Jesus and don't love to worship, I'd very graciously suggest that something's gone wrong. That something's got broke. And to be perfectly honest, heaven is going to be miserable for you. Eternity of worship. If you don't like it now, it's going to be miserable. Really miserable. You see, worship attracts the presence of God. As we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. Psalm 22 says that the Lord is enthroned on the praises of Israel, enthroned on the praises of His people. That's often misinterpreted as God dwells and inhabits the praises of His people. That's not what Psalm 22 actually says. But there is this sense of that as we worship God, that he, he, he is enthroned in that place. He becomes more present in that place. And then there's a beautiful story in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, where the people of Israel there, they've just built the temple, so David started the journey, Solomon finished it, they're dedicating the temple. And as they start to do that, as they start the worship service, the place is filled with a cloud. And that is the presence of God such that the priest couldn't carry on. Worship attracts the presence of God. Personally, my deepest encounters with God are in worship. They have been for the last 30 odd years of my life. It's probably why I love the vineyard so much, because in worship, it is our highest priority. We love intimacy. We love encounter. They characterize our... There was a wonderful sense of God's presence in our worship this morning. You know, I, I, I had goosebumps, t- tears on my, on my cheeks, mascara running. The presence of God. So here's some things that I found. The first thing is that worship times are a journey. They're a journey, and, and journeys are always best enjoyed from the start. So hear this graciously with you. Your life and your connection with church can be radically enhanced by a 15-minute change. And the 15-minute change is this. Arrive 15 minutes early. It will radically improve your experience of worship. Because, so for a 9.30 start, why don't you aim to get here at 9.15? Because if you're trying to settle in kids and get a cup of coffee and do all of that kind of stuff, then it's hard to start that worship journey in a good place in our hearts. 
and we will find it so much more enriching if we just breathe. If we found some space in our lives before starting that worship journey. 15 minutes early, and then say 15 minutes afterwards so we can connect with people. Trust me, it will radically enhance your experience of worship and of church community. Trust me. Second thing, would you make a priority of, of worshipping with others each week? There is power in communal worship. So that's on Sundays and in our small groups. And if you lead a small group, here is a top tip. If you have time for nothing else each week, prioritize worship. If you can't do anything else, do that. And here's why. Through the last kind of 28 odd years when we've been leading small groups, what we have seen is lives change simply by creating space for people week by week by week to come into the presence of Jesus. See, I love praying for people, I will talk to people, but what I know that we need more than anything else is the presence of Jesus. And we find that so deeply in worship. So why don't you do that health check? And we, and we share this in the small group with two or three people. Do I love worship? Am I, am I, is, that, is, that, is there that hunger in my heart right now? Do I just love surrendering to Jesus? Let me close by sharing this quote from a guy called Jonathan Edwards, not the triple jumper. This is the guy that was a pastor and revivalist out in the U.S. in the 1700s. If you get hold of some of his books, they will blow your socks off. He, he wrote this. Revival, in other words, talking about a move of the Holy Spirit, the everyday supernatural, revival is not a move from the ordinary to the extraordinary. Rather, it's a move from the subordinary to the ordinary. We become fully human as a result of revival. Not frothy or weird, but instead what God always intended us to be. I love that idea of shifting from the subordinary to the ordinary. I love that idea. Seeking God's presence and being filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit is not the icing on the cake, it's the cake. It's the normal. It's the ordinary. Anything other is sub-ordinary. See, the ordinary, normal life that Jesus has for us is where we see people healed, demons flee, freedom released, death raised to life, miracles. Ordinary Jesus stuff. Now, that is the kind of life that I want. Normal but it takes a recalibration of normal. Because sometimes we think, well, that's extra normal. Jesus is saying, no. That's the life, that, that is the destiny, that's the inheritance that we have as followers of Jesus, isn't it? I don't think I'm off theme on this one. See, when I read the stories of Jesus, there's something in me that says, I want to do that. Just as a normal, everyday part of my life. That's what I want. 